Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Torin Show, episode number five. We will be covering an article in The Guardian from the 25th of August. But this article still is relevant to till today. It's The title of this episode is An Illness in the Shadows. Life with borderline personality disorder. But again, as usual, before I get on into it, um, do follow me on Twitter at Torren underscore Yofa. I'm almost at a thousand, a thousand followers. Um, you can also follow the podcast Twitter account at the Torren Show. You can also find us on Spotify, Anchor, and many more to come. So, yeah, I hope you are having a wonderful day, wherever you are. Um, so, yeah, let's get right into it. So, BPD is one of the mental illnesses we still know least about, but now there is hope of a treatment. It was while she was doing a psychology A-level that Alison Graham came across Borderline Personality Disorder, BPD, for the first time. Two of my friends said, not to be mean, but this does sound like you. Graham, remembers, the teenager from Peterborough, had suffered a particularly volatile adolescence. Mood swings, rage, suicidal thoughts. She'd been cutting herself since she was 12 or 13. And now here was her condition in a textbook. In quotes, I felt like I didn't have a chance. That I was the perfect storm for this illness. Problems had started early. Graham says she was the child of an unhappy marriage with a father who drank and a mother who suffered from depression. She was 12 when her father left. 13, when the divorce came through, she started self-harming, flying into temper tantrums, blowing up, friendships on slightest pretext. Doctors said it was exam stress. She did very well in her GCSEs, but became more unstable the sixth form, and flunked her A-levels. Her first suicide attempt came at 18. I got quite a lot of money for my 18th birthday and basically I drank it, she said on New Year's Eve. In 2018, she ended up in A&E. I said I was going to jump off a building, so someone called an ambulance. And then, after several years of trying to live with her condition and trying to find out what the condition was, a doctor confirmed her suspicions. She turned to me and said, have you ever heard of BPD? She was sent for an assessment and diagnosed, and diagnosed in March last year. The mental health issues that remain in the shadows. Attitudes towards many types of mental illnesses have been genuinely transformed in the developed world over the past generation as people opened up about their depression and anxiety, encouraged by the honesty of candid celebrities. 
but in the shadows are a cluster of conditions that continue to face deep discrimination. Those are schizophrenia, psychosis, bipolar disorder and BPD. BPD in particular is one of the lesser known mental illnesses, but all the same it is one of the hardest to reckon with. Some people dislike the term so much they prefer to refer to emotional unstable personality disorder. Those affected can experience dizzying ups and downs, along with paranoia, impulsiveness, obsession, fury, catastrophic black and white thinking, identity crisis and an inability to self-soothe. Promiscuity, recklessness, self-sabotage, substance abuse, broken relationships and homelessness are all part of the territory. Some estimates put prevalence at up to 2% of the population, though most metrics relating to the extent of mental illnesses are approximate. An estimated 1 in 10 people with BPD take their own lives, and a far larger cohort will try to do so. Some doctors believe the number of people with the condition may be increasing. Dr. Ayang Pospitarasi, a psychologist at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, says she is treating more patients with BPD than she was two or three years ago. Young adulthood is typically where symptoms may emerge. She says there are very common symptoms, chronic suicide ideation or attempts. A lot of patients struggle with self-injury, burning, cutting. Many struggle with addiction, substance abuse, frantic efforts to cope with their suffering. Experts believe the illness stems partly from genetic predisposition, nature and partly from social and environmental factors. Nurture, with a brutal childhood as a particular common denominator. Katie Rolls believes that for her everything stemmed from being sexually abused by a family member as a child. She reported the abuse but wasn't taken seriously until three years later when the perpetrator did the same to other children. Her later relationship with men, who were often much older, featured physical and emotional abuse. Walsh ended up in prison, self-harming and struggling just to stay alive. Mick Finnegan, a 37-year-old Dubliner diagnosed with BPD, also believes the condition was rooted in his childhood. I was just a kid whose family were all alcoholics and heroin addicts. I was 16 when I started sleeping rough. I got kicked out of the house. I was 16 when I was... I had gone to the police about being raped and sexually abused, but when the police came back, they turned around and said they weren't going to prosecute. A recent study by the University of Manchester found that people with BPD were 13 times more likely to report childhood abuse than people without mental illness. The severe cases come from people who've suffered from childhood disorders, physical abuse, sexual abuse or abandonment, says Gerald Crossman, an American psychiatrist who has worked with BPD patients for 30 years and authored books such as I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. 
but where other mental health conditions are recognised and supported, the very nature of BPD means it can be challenging to help with. It's hard for friends and family who can struggle to deal with rapid ups and downs and mood changes, the fluctuations in confidence and self-image. I've hurt a lot of people and I feel terrible about it. I don't want to be this way, says Graham. I have to keep a secret. Because people say don't be friends with someone with BPD because they are manipulative attention seekers. They might not want to be my friend or date me. Which hurts because I'm trying to get better. It's not my fault. The condition is also incredibly challenging for medical services. Police and emergency services resulting in confrontation and mutual distrust. Graham was sectioned recently for trespassing on train tracks. I'm a five foot tall, but it took three police officers to restrain me, she says. I feel I get treated as if I'm an attention seeker, and they don't seem to take it seriously. But there is a treatment that, though not widely available, is showing signs of promise. Dialectical Behavioural Therapy, DBT, is a long-term programme of individual and group therapies, in which the core ideas are acceptance of life as it is, not as it is supposed to be. Individuals learn new techniques to help tolerate stress, distress, to replace catastrophic coping mechanisms such as self-harm, alcohol, drugs and rage. The dialectic in the name has echoes of the antithetical ideas proposed in ancient wisdom and more modern faith-based teachings, such as the Christian serenity prayer, to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can. At St Andrew's Healthcare in Northampton, one of some 450 facilities offering DBT in the UK, women patients take part in group therapy, one-to-one sessions and coaching. There is a weekly community meeting where patients and staff can raise issues, as well as sessions on mindfulness and other activities. Patients often take medication alongside the therapy, but medication alone can never be the answer, says Dr. Pete McAllister, a psychiatrist on the ward who says that most women who engage in at least a year of DBT can be discharged. The average length of stay is 18 months. The treatment works really well, but it's a bit like joining the gym. Says McAllister, it's not just joining that will help you. It's doing the exercises and doing them regularly. Coming into a DBT unit is not the cure. It's the hard work you do while you're here. The great secure for anyone with BPD is that recovery is the rule, not the exception. After intensive rounds of DBT, Walsh hasn't self-harmed in two years. Now in her mid-thirties, she is calm, collected and able to speak eloquently about her mental health struggles. Walsh talks about how she sees life in 10 years' time. Her aim is to travel around the country speaking about BPD, sharing her story and holding workshops to raise awareness and to reach out to others, who may be going through the same. A lot of this goes on outside of services. She says, 
It can be lonely, and I want people to not feel so alone. Finnegan says that recovery might not be the right word. You don't just stop feeling the way you feel. You don't stop having those flashbacks. They don't go away, but you learn how to cope with them. You develop coping mechanisms. Graham has been holding down a job as a sales assistant for the past few months and is looking forward to getting a place on a DBT programme. Now that she has been diagnosed, she sounds remarkably philosophical and sanguine about her case and her prospects. But then that is the maddening thing about BBT. BPD. One moment I'm crying my eyes out, the next I'm feeling fine. All the female subjects quoted in this article requested anonymity. Mick Finnegan, who has worked as a peer support worker in the NHS and is involved with the Royal College of Psychiatrists, was happy to be named in full and share his story. And, you know, there's still so, so much more to be done in terms of getting the right mental health services. As we we all know, with our current situation, and I'm sure it's the, the same around the world, you know, the mental health services aren't up to scratch. They're not up to par. Um, they're not adequate enough and so you know whatever mental health services do pop do come up that are offered is a life saver because no one no one should have to struggle you know it's like struggling with mental health is 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 enough but having to do it on your own shouldn't be the case you should be able to have the help and get the help you need within 24 hours um now to Obviously, I'm not going to end it here. Um, Right, so... The next one is vulnerable children need care, not incarceration. Instead of counting empty beds, millions wasted on empty, secure secure children's home beds in England and Wales, says Labour, 27th of January. We need to be counting children and asking ourselves why we are depriving so many of our vulnerable young people of their liberty in the first place. While the number of children held in custody has indeed declined over the past decade, the numbers being held for their own welfare have been rising. A growing body of evidence shows that these two groups are largely the same children. We know that up to half of children in custody have been in care at some point in their lives. 
Children placed in secure settings, whether through youth custody or because of risks to their safety, have had similar experiences of trauma and disadvantage from early childhood and therefore have similar needs. Hidden in these figures are the most vulnerable children of all who, in dramatically rising numbers, cannot be found a place in a secure children's home because of a lack of available beds or because they are deemed too challenging, in quotes. These children simply disappear from view. They don't appear in public data, we don't know how many there are, or where they are placed. We need to rethink how we improve the lives of the most vulnerable children in our society, and be clear about the purpose of depriving young people of their liberty, Is it care or incarceration? Lisa Harker, Director, Nuffield Family Justice Observatory. And let me just go back. And to let's. Let me do this. Um, this one is social care review must address a decade of cuts. The government's review of children's social care will provide an opportunity to reflect on an accumulated mass of research evidence. Earlier reviews and reviews of care experienced children, young people and families Children's Social Care Wide-Ranging Review launched in England, 15th of January. However, to succeed, it will also have to address why earlier attempts to overhaul the system have failed. First, why they failed to gain political support for radically reducing child poverty and inequality, which is strongly associated with children coming into and remaining in care and which will require an immediate commitment to more progressive income tax and wealth reform. Second, why they failed to reverse the privatisation of children's social care provision, resulting in the expansion of unregulated, poor quality care, abandoning some of the most vulnerable teenagers in society. Third, why they failed to reverse draconian cuts to local authorities since 2010, estimated at 2 billion. These cuts have devastated services preventing children and young people from being able to remain with their families and access high-quality, non-for-profit community and care services to enhance their mental health and well-being. Professor Mike Christine, University of York, Having spent my working life as a practitioner, manager and staff trainer in education and social care, I ought to welcome the news of review. Sadly, however, I cannot, for it is not a review that is required, but rather a massive injection of money. And from a conservative government faced with a post-pandemic economy, that is hardly likely to be forthcoming. Ten years of Tory austerity cuts have led to the 
to the destruction of source dots. The decimation of youth services, youth services and the abandonment of funding for specialist services run by voluntary organisations. Local authorities handed over the provision of children's homes to the private sector in order to save money, and they consistently failed to both assess and provide for children with special educational needs. Having wreaked havoc, the government will no doubt give its usual cop-out response by saying that the answer to a care sector crisis is not to just throw money at it. But in one of the richest countries in the world, it is money that is urgently needed. The last thing we need is a review that is unlikely to discover anything we do not already know. We just need the previous funding we stood. Mel Wood. Dublin Island. The care review must have demonstrably independence. It has the appearance of accommodating the inclusion and method and methodology that a few voices championed on behalf of a great many others. But it is in the delivery of safety, stability and love that it will be judged. The review led should fail to be able to challenge the government's whenever a matter is raised. There is no need to wait until the review is over. Things can happen along the way. A first challenge will be to ensure that the government rectifies the proposal to remove care as a right of all children. As is signalled, will happen in new minimum standards for currently unregulated settings. Meanwhile, the sector should behold and establish its own parallel care review and an independent group of social care experts, including experts by experience. Jonathan Stanley, National Centre for Excellence in Residential Childcare. And so... One of the reasons why I thought to cover these three topics is of the importance to obviously keep the conversation going, you know, and obviously, you know, with everything everything else going on with our government and our Prime Minister, you know, instead of just focusing focusing on his stuff, I thought I'd focus on other stuff that could be more could be better highlighted. So yeah, I know it's a bit of a a short one. I try I'm trying to keep these relatively short, you know. Um obviously you know, depending on the type, depending on how much information I can gather the episode may be longer, but for now, going to be around the 30-minute mark. But, yeah, um, thank you for, listen- for listening. Thank you for joining. Um, again, do follow me on Twitter at Torren underscore Yofa. Follow us on Twitter as well at the Torren Show. Um, let us know what you think down below uh again check us out on spotify make sure you hit that follow button 
uh, subscribe and yeah, I will see you in the next one.